and um, yeah, it's really important. I was in a shop, um, just that little op shop down by our office. Um, I went in there yesterday after the Christmas in the car park because I was looking for a, a box and they had boxes out there. Of course, we get to the door, the boxes are out at the door and I just grabbed one of the box, but I had Zach with me, so we had to go into the shop and look at the DVDs. So I ended up buying two DVDs for $2. So that was a real bargain. But I was in there one day and I was looking for a certain shape shape of plate and I just got this one plate but when I was in there I got chatting to a lady and she wanted to buy something there but she didn't have any money to buy it right at that time and so she said oh, I'll put it on lay-by and come back and get it next week when I've got some money and I just couldn't believe she was serious because the item that she wanted to buy cost all of three dollars but it wasn't a joke she really didn't have $3. And she wouldn't be getting any money until the following week. And I just can't imagine what it's like to be so short of money that you don't have $3. You know, what if you needed something and you had to wait for almost a week till the next payday or benefit day before you could buy some milk or some bread or some toilet paper? You know, sometimes we hear that expression, how the other half lives. And this was just one of those moments, and there are lots of those moments when it really hits you how other people struggle. You know, like when $3 is a big deal. Well, we're going to have a little sneak peek into some kids' bedrooms um, and just see how some of the other half do live. And actually... It's way, way more than half because apparently just eight people in the world own more, have more wealth than the poorest half of the world's population, which is around 3.6 billion people. So let's have a look and see where these kids sleep. Okay, this is Rothi. He's eight years old and he lives with his family on a rubbish tip on the, on the outskirts of Phnom Penh, which is the capital of Cambodia. About 5,000 other people live on this rubbish tip. And you know what? They pay rent to live on the dump. Now, see those old tires there? That's Rothy's bed. That's where he sleeps, on those tires. At 6 o'clock every morning, along with hundreds of other kids, he goes to a local charity centre and there he gets a shower and breakfast. Now, it's, it'll be a cold shower, but, you know, having lived in the tropics, we had cold showers and it's not too bad because the water's warmer and the, and the air's warmer and it doesn't feel too bad at all. But, you know, that breakfast that he has is often the only food that he gets for the whole day. Eight years old. And he spends the rest of the day working. He collects cans and plastic that his family sell to a recycling couple. The next one is Indira. She's age seven, and she lives in Kathmandu in Nepal. She started working in a granite factory with her parents when she was three years old. 
Who's got a three-year-old? Can you imagine them working in a granite factory, a quarry, not factory, in a quarry? Now, she works five or six hours a day, and then she helps her mother with the housework. Her house has one room with one bed and one mattress that she shares with her brother and her sister. As well as working, she goes to school, and that's a 30-minute walk away. She has a very full day. The next one is Alex. He's nine. He lives in Rio de Janeiro in, in Brazil. Alex doesn't go to school. He spends his days begging and stealing. He has some contact with his family, but he's addicted to sleep sniffing glue, and so he sleeps on the streets. Dong from China is nine. He shares one room with his sister and his parents. Dong walks 20 minutes to go to school, so at least he's getting an education. And then the next one is a little four-year-old Romanian boy from Italy. He sleeps on a mattress out in the open. The whole family sleep on this one mattress. This little boy spends his days beside the road while his parents clean car windscreens at traffic lights. No one in his family has ever been to school. Now we're going to sneak a look into the room of a little girl from the other side of the tracks. Kaya is four. She lives in Tokyo in Japan. Her bedroom is filled with her favourite toys and she gets about three new dresses every month. Kaya seems to have everything that money can buy, but you know, she needs Jesus just as desperately as Rothi, Indira, Alex, Dong, and that little Romanian boy. You know, compared with most of those kids, we're really doing okay, aren't we? And this morning I'm looking at counting our blessings. Now for me, and I suspect for probably most of you, the biggest blessing is that we're saved. I'm saved. Ephesians 2 and verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. I'm eternally grateful that I don't have to earn my way to heaven, because if that was the case, I'd never make it. I'm thankful Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin and that through faith in him and his sacrificial death, I've been made right with God. Jesus is my hope in this life and in eternity, in the life to come. For everyone, both rich and poor, life on earth is short and eternity is forever. Life doesn't always feel short, but it is. And Jesus has taken care of our eternity. But, you know, that to me, that's thankfulness 101. Thankful that I'm saved. But we can't stop there. We have to learn to be grateful for everything, big and small. Mm. Ephesians 5 and verse 30 says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that can be a challenge because I, for one, find it very easy just to drift along, not being mindful, just going through life, taking a lot of God's gifts for granted. One key to gratitude is just being mindful 
to get tuned in to the various expressions of God's love and God's goodness that are going on around us all the time. Psalm 136 and verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. So we have to train ourselves to get into the habit of seeing God's love and goodness, just noticing His gifts. And it might be like a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise, enjoying a special coffee, the love and the goodness of family and friends and people around us. It's really easy to take you know, a lot of our blessings as a given, even things like having a roof over our heads, clean running water, daily, daily food to eat, um, education and things like that. And we forget that all around the world there are people who can only dream about having those things. Now, why should we be grateful? What's the point? Well, first of all, God requires it. And, you know, God's always got our best interest at heart. And so anything that he requires is for our good. It's the best for us. On a spiritual level, being thankful gets our eyes off ourselves and helps us to focus on God. It takes our attention off our problems and onto God's goodness to us. And also it makes us look back like David did, to how God has helped us and provided for us in the past. And that helps us to have faith for what we're going through now to get us through it this time. Being grateful helps us to be humble. And that's a key quality, isn't it, for Christians? And when we express thanks to God for his provision, it tells us that God is ultimately the giver of everything that we have and everything that we need. The Bible says it's God who gives us the power to make money, and he gives us the skills and the wisdom that we need for our work. He provides us with the job. We depend on God for everything, and as we keep that in our mind, that helps us to be humble. Gratitude can help to get us out of that entitlement mentality, that feeling like the world owes us, which is so prevalent in our society today. And when we say thank you to God, it also shows us that we're not in control. And that's good because God is in control and he's a mighty God and we can trust him. Now, on a natural level, the spin-off from an attitude of gratitude can make a big difference to our quality of life. People who practice gratitude, according to research, tend to be more creative, more resilient, which means they bounce back more quickly from adversity, they're healthier, they have better immunity, and they get on better with other people. So why on earth wouldn't we do it? In the past few years, society has been kind of bombarded with the benefits of mindfulness and of gratitude. In fact, gratitude has become like the self-help buzzword of the moment. But, of course, all this has been in the Bible for thousands of years, the whole thing of counting our blessings. And the whole point there is that we give thanks to God, who ultimately is the giver of every good thing that comes our way. Now, as I've mentioned, it's easier to be grateful for the big things, but we should be grateful, and we should be, but God wants us to count all our blessings, the big things and the little things, even the hard things. And we think, well, you know, do we really need to? Does it really matter? Is it really important? Apparently, yes, it matters. 
It is important and it's doable. The thing is, if we want our blessings to count, we really do need to count our blessings. And a simple method, and one that has become very popular and very trendy in recent years, is just to keep a gratitude diary. And what that means is getting into the habit of taking maybe five minutes, more or less, um, each day, at the end of each day, just to write down five or ten things, five to ten things that we're thankful for. And that's specific things, not the same old stuff every day. And that forces us to look around, to remember and to notice and to appreciate God's gifts, each gift, the day's gifts, and to say thanks for it. Now, of course, that's a bit of a steep learning curve to start with, but it pretty soon levels out. And I've been working on that, and I can see that it makes a difference. You know, just one example. Um, one night, a little while ago, I turned the tap on, like, uh-oh, you know, no water. Now, I usually get pretty stressed if we have a power outage or a water outage, but this time... I actually wasn't so stressed, and I even thought, like, hey, we're pretty blessed to have running water most of the time. And then later on, I looked out the window, and just a little way up our street, you know, I saw a truck, hazard lights on, big lights, you know, guys working tools, and they were out there, obviously, trying to fix the problem. And I started thanking God that I was privileged to live in a country and in a city, you know, where... If the water goes off, you know, there are guys out there trying to sort it out at 11 o'clock at night. You know, when we were in the Philippines, it might have taken up to a week to get to that point because we had quite a lot of water outages there. And I found myself finding things to be thankful for. And, you know, the next morning we were having our showers as per normal. So how good is that? And I tried to imagine what it would be like for Rothi and Indra and Alex and that little Romanian boy who sleeps out in the open to have running water, especially hot and cold water. You know, it's so easy to forget how blessed we are. And being thankful actually opens our eyes to more blessings. A woman who's not a Christian had always rolled her eyes and felt like groaning and sort of had that, oh, this makes me sick kind of feeling, every time anyone mentioned the idea of a gratitude journal. But then she went through some stuff and she ended up just feeling so stressed and so desperate that she figured out she had nothing to lose. And so she gave it a go. And she was completely blown away by the results and in her own words, the happiness that it brought into her life. And there were two things that really caught her by surprise. Firstly, the things that she was, was grateful for weren't big things. They were just little blessings, little things like finding a car park right in front of where she needed to be when she was running late, having a good laugh with a friend, just enjoying a delicious little treat when no one was looking. Just that sm small, everyday stuff, little things. And secondly, she realized that the things that she was writing down 
had always been there. It's just that she hadn't noticed them before. It wasn't anything new. You see, the blessings are there, but our blessings don't count until we start to count our blessings. Now, when Tark and I had been in the Philippines as missionaries for just six weeks, we took a team of young people out, young people from New Zealand, out on this missions trip. And the weather was terrible, and so many things went wrong. You seriously could call it the mission trip from hell. (laughs) It was. Maybe that's an oxymoron, but it was really... Hey, we got stuck in the flood. We got stuck in the city, and we couldn't get out, and it was like the 50-year flood. But anyway... I'm not talking about that, just one incident. Now, there was only one other girl on the team, and we went to this remote little village, and Tark and the other guys, they were all sent off to sleep in this haunted house by themselves. (laughs) (laughs) They survived. (laughs) But this this other girl and I, we, we, we were hosted by a lovely family. They didn't speak English, but they were so kind and so gracious, and they vacated a room for us to stay in, and that was a sacrifice for them. Their home was very small and very dark, no electricity or running water, but, you know, we quite often stayed in places like that. That was okay. Um, And the windows didn't have glass or anything. It was just those shutters, and we had to keep them closed because there were kids peeking in while we were getting dressed. Now, that's okay because um, I suspect that they had never seen white people before. So they were, I mean, this was remote. And so they, they I think it was called San Francisco or something, some, some far-fetched name. Um, but anyway, um, they hadn't seen white people before, so they were quite fascinated. Now, everything in the room was brown, like brown wooden or bamboo floors, walls, brown thatched roof, and then just these two really small little wooden beds, no mattresses, so it was all brown. Now, after our night meeting, which had some dramas, we got ourselves ready for bed, but before we tried to get to sleep, we thought that it was going to be a really good idea, really smart idea, if we shone our torches around that little room to see if there were any spiders. If you're, if you're ever on a missions trip, it's not a good idea. Just let sleeping spiders lie, right? <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, we, we did that. We shone our torches around, and there were hundreds of spiders all over that thatched roof. It was covered with spiders. Big brown ones, about three inches across. I had seen one of them in Cebu, and I was really scared of one of them, but I reckon there were hundreds of them. That, 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 the room wasn't that big. <laughs> Just... I think it was better in the haunted house. (laughs) I'm going to lose the plot here. Anyway, there are just these spiders everywhere, and we just absolutely freaked out. We were just beside ourselves. And so in the end, 
We didn't know what to do. We just spent the whole night huddled together, <laughs> clinging on to one another on one of those tiny little beds. <laughs> just, it was a long night. We're just anxiously waiting for the morning. And I stand here today, living proof that like 37 years ago, two young women survived for an entire night, shut up in a little room full of man-eating spiders. Yeah. How about some compassion, guys? <laughs> but the point is this. Those spiders were in that room for the whole time but we didn't see them. It was only when we made the effort to search them out, which we shouldn't have done, but when we made that effort, when we started looking, and then we saw them everywhere. And in, on the, in a positive way, it's the same with blessings. You know, one of the big issues with gratitude is just being mindful, searching out, finding, noticing the blessings and not taking things for granted. And the good thing is that when we start looking for things to be thankful for, we will see them everywhere. You know, our eyes will be open. We'll be more alert and open to the good stuff that is around us all the time. So we've just got to train ourselves to be thankful, practice, and we're training ourselves to have that grateful heart towards God. And this is going to help us even in difficult circumstances that call for advanced gratitude. 1 Timothy 5, verse 16 to 18. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, giving thanks in all circumstances can be a real stretch. Now we're graduating from basic gratitude to advanced gratitude. So what does Paul mean by all circumstances? You know, like when your boyfriend or your girlfriend dumps you when you get made redundant for your job? Yes, even that advanced, even in those terrible circumstances. Now that is really hard, but when we're orientated to looking for things to be thankful for, firstly, it's easier, obviously, to, be, uh, to appreciate simple things that we would otherwise take for granted, but we get better at looking for the good, even in these really, really hard things. We can take a different perspective. And so who in the world is going to feel grateful if he or she has lost a partner or a job. Well, at these times, um, the gratitude experts say that gratitude becomes a critical cognitive process. Okay, what is a critical cognitive process? It's simply a way of thinking about things from different angles, and that can help us to turn a disaster or a tragedy into a stepping stone. Yeah. So one way of looking at negative things from a different angle is to be willing to look at it through a grateful lens. And when we look through the grateful lens, if we look hard enough, we can usually find a reason to be thankful, even towards people or events that have caused us a lot of pain. Yeah. We can be thankful because 
we, God can see things that we can't see. God sees the beginning from the end. We can be thankful because God loves us. He knows what's best for us. He's got a plan for our lives. Now, of course, we've got to be real here because when we're looking for things to be grateful for in a relationship breakup, that is not going to cancel out the grief, the sadness, the anger, the loneliness and all the things that are normal after such a loss. But it can help to make that stuff more manageable because we can see that God has a purpose in it and it can help to give us a different perspective. Maybe we can be grateful that the redundancy forced us out of our comfort zone. We've been hearing about that. And we had to upskill. It made us grow. So why should we thank God for difficult things? Well, the same as for anything, because God requires it. And his ways are always for our good. Also, it demonstrates our faith and our trust in God. You know, when we thank God in difficult situations, we're showing that we believe in his goodness and his love, despite what we're going through. We're also expressing our trust in his perfect plan for us and our belief that he's working all things out for our good, even though it might not make much sense to us right now. Jeremiah 10 and verse 23, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself, It's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Now, thankfulness, of course, as I said, doesn't cancel out the suffering that we face in life. So we can't be simplistic about it. We still have to deal appropriately with issues. But it's looking at experiences through that grateful lens. I mean, it's not about it. Sorry, it's not about pretending that it's not a negative experience. But it does mean that we see through the eyes of faith. It builds our faith. And it can certainly transform those experiences into something else. A 45-year-old man testified how he'd been a runaway Christian for 12 years, just backslidden. And he said he was hell-bent on self-destruction through the lusts of the flesh. And he ignored all of God's nudges to get him back on course. But then he had a car accident. And tragically, that left him paralyzed from the armpits down. Two years later, he said, I've had two years to reflect on the damage that I could have caused to my loved ones and myself if I'd continued on that path. But he said, I praise God for my accident. Isn't that incredible? I praise God for my accident. I have everything to be thankful for in this season. My home, my family, my job, and the very air that I breathe. Wow. So how do we get there? How do we pass basic gratitude, let alone advanced gratitude? It's just keeping at it, just doing it, practicing, and growing. Now... Of course, a big concern for many of us is how do we teach kids to be grateful? Because we all know that no one is born grateful, right? It's definitely not natural for babies or little children to recognize that someone has gone out of their way to do something for them. They just, you know, that's just a given for them. So we have to teach them which is easier said than done. It takes persistent effort 
Firstly, children model their parents, so we must make sure that we express gratitude, especially when we talk to them. You know, thank you for that hug. Thanks for helping me fold the washing. Okay, you know, we know that their helping is actually not always helpful. <laughs> but it pays off in the long run, and we've got to look ahead. Thank you for listening. That's a biggie, isn't it? Thank you for listening, and so on. Get kids to help with chores. You know, things that they can do, like maybe bringing things off the dinner table or um, feeding the dog or something like that, because when they learn to do those things, they also learn that doing jobs takes effort, and that helps them to realise that when people do things for them, it takes effort, and so they learn to appreciate it. Talk to them about how blessed we are. You know, go on to some of these sites that we got these slides from, you know, um, where kids sleep, kids' bedrooms. There's quite a few of them. And let them look at, if they're old enough, let them look at some of that. Have some kind of a daily routine, maybe going around the dinner table and getting everyone to talk about one good thing that happened today, which is actually a version of the Gratitude Diary, isn't it? Now, many of you know our dear friend Sala, my dear friend Sala, who's Tark's PA, and she has four lovely children, and she's allowed me to share her testimony. And she had a relative from Fiji staying sometime this year, and that relative just could not get over how grateful her children were. Wouldn't you love that? Wow. Now, here's Sala's testimony, right? Now, over the and this encompasses also over the last four years following the tragic loss of her husband and the father of her four lovely children. So it doesn't get much harder than that. So she says, when I was growing up, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, became so close to my heart. Be joyful always, pray at all times, be thankful in all circumstances. This is what God wants from you in your life with Jesus Christ. And she goes on, a few years ago, my family and I went through a major life-changing event through the loss of our dear husband and father. God has taught me, now the only adult in our household, to still count my blessings each day. So you see that that is established in her life. And she says, wow, what a difference this has made over the years. Every night we have family devotions and the children and I go around the room thanking God for what he has done for us. Brilliant. It could be simple things like having food to eat, warm beds to sleep in, having a good day, God's protection, the gift of family, the purchase of a new item or God's strength. And I've realized that the moment we start teaching young children to count their blessings, it becomes the norm to appreciate what they have because they know that not everyone has what we're thankful for. She says, gratitude is a great virtue in our household. It makes us appreciate life and most importantly allows us to be thankful for all that God has done. When you start to thank God for the little things, you are sowing a seed of gratitude and you will begin to see life and all its blessings in a totally different way. 
then joy comes naturally. As you know, there are things that others have, that, that you have, that others would definitely be praying to have. In other words, the blessings that we're counting are things that someone else can only dream about. So thank you for that testimony, Salah. It's just very precious. The point is, if we want our blessings to count, we need to count our blessings. And we also can make thanksgiving that part of our daily life by thanking God in our prayer time, starting a gratitude diary, making thanksgiving a regular part of the family meal or, or family devotions as Salah has done, and come along to the service tonight, to the Thanksgiving or celebration service. That would be a great place to start and to build on what we're doing this morning. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you always know and want what's best for us. And Lord, your message about giving thanks in all things comes into that. It's good for us. It's the best for us, the best for our lives. And Lord, I thank you that, you know, in these days, people are discovering, researchers just proving that what's in your word is absolutely true. And God, I also thank you that you daily load us with blessings, as your word says. We have so much to be thankful for. You have been so very, very good to us, and you always will be. And God, I just pray that you will take these simple words, this simple message, and Lord, just write it on our hearts and let it be outworked in our lives every day. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks a million. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you.